Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess to you today, Lord, that as we go through this life looking for joy and happiness, Lord, far too often, most time, more times than not, we set our sights far too low. Father, I pray today that you would lift our eyes. Let us see Jesus. Let us bask in his glory. And let us live for his name's sake, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we continue our study this morning in the book of Philippians, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 18b through 26, the second part of 18 through verse 26. Now, as we have been looking, this uh, series, as we're looking at the book of Philippians, is called Discovering Joy. Discovering Joy. T Paul talks a lot about joy in the book of Philippians. That's his main concern as he's writing this church in Philippi. They're going through hard times, times that would rob most people of their joy. Paul himself is going through a difficult time as he is uh, sentenced to a Roman prison, waiting trial before Caesar. He himself is going through a difficult time, a time that would rob most people of joy. Yet Paul finds absolute joy even in his situation and circumstance. And he wants to instruct the Philippian church on how to have joy even in their difficult times. And so as we go through this life, we can learn from this letter how we can discover real, lasting joy. Now, as we've gone through this, this letter thus far, we opened up with the source of real joy, that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also find that there's joy in the fellowship of the saints and the gospel expansion. And today, we get into rejoicing in the glory of Christ, rejoicing in the glory of Christ. So let us go to our passage, and if you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Hear the word of the Lord. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all 
for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Joy is found in what we value. Joy is found in what we value, what we treasure, what gives us life, what gives us purpose in life. That's what brings us joy. That's what brings us happiness. And you see, if we put our happiness and joy in the things of this world, if we find our greatest value in the things of this world, then our joy and our happiness is very shallow and can be robbed of us in a moment. But if we find value in that which is eternal, then we forever have joy. Today, as we look at this passage, we see that Christ is life. Therefore, live and die for His glory. That's worth repeating. Christ is life. Therefore, live and die for His glory. And as we see this worked out, let's get into our passage. As we look at Paul's letter, first of all, we see as we seek, that, seek, to, seek joy that comes from the glory of Christ, there's, there's something that needs to happen. If we're going to find joy in, in Christ, if He is going to be our greatest value, if we want to seek the eternal value that only comes through Him, then there's something that we must do. There's something that we need more than anything, and that is we need to catch a vision of the glory of Christ. We need to catch a vision of the glory of Christ. Paul understood that. In fact, as we look at this section here, we have the, the central proposition falls right there in the middle in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Wow. Wow. Let's say that again. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How many people can say that? How many people in this world can say that? That's a concept that is beyond all reality to most people. To die is gain? How can death be gain? I mean, death is the end. That's all there is. Once you're dead, it's, it's, this life is over with. There's nothing left. But Paul says, to live is to Christ. And to die, that's gain. You see, because, that's because Paul set his vision and his sights far greater than anything that most humans can imagine. You see, we have a great problem. It's a sin problem. 
a problem that is uh, due to the, the fall of mankind, the fall away from God. And that problem is that we are far too nearsighted. We are far too, too nearsighted. C.S. Lewis once said this, if we consider the unblem- unblushing promises of reward that the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel. Let me say that again. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You see, in our sin, we are far too nearsighted. We are far too nearsighted. We, we set our sights and our aims, our ambitions, all on this little piece of life. But life is more than this little, little dot. It's more than, than this life now. There's something far greater coming. You see, today we need to see the greater reality. We need to see the greater reality. Life does not consist of this little dot on the history line. Did you know we are all eternal creatures? That once we were created by God, when we were conceived in our mother's womb, and God put life into all of those little atoms and put those things together. When He created us, from that point on, we are eternal beings. We live from now on. We will exist from now on. So our problem is, is that we begin to focus on this little dot. Now imagine this. Imagine you had your lifespan put out here on on the table here, and it begins with conception, and it goes into eternity. How small is that little dot that is here and now? on that line which stretches into eternity. But yet, we focus on that little dot. Everything belongs in that little dot. We can't see past that little dot. We need to get a greater vision of reality. We need to lift our eyes up and see all of it. And if we see all of it, we won't just focus on today. We won't just focus on this next week, this next month. We won't even focus on retirement. But if we see a greater, the greater vision of things, if we get into the greater reality of things, then our focus is going to be way out there. 
We need to get a greater sense of reality. We need to see the greater reality that is around us. Now, this is extremely difficult for us. It's kind of like we, we try to teach kids, well, you need to, to save. You need to save. If you begin saving now, you'll have a, a good bit of money to, to retire on in the future. I mean, we try to tell kids that, but they can't see that. Kids can't imagine that. All they can see is they want that new Nerf football. Or they want that new baby doll. They don't want to think about what's going to... That's, that's way... I don't need to think about when I'm 60 years old. i got to live right here, right now. But you see, we're the same way. We can't look to eternity. We can't look at what is coming. We want to live right here, right now, and that's it. No, well, let's worry about this life. We need to get a greater vision of the reality. We need to see not just the here and now, but all of eternity that is before us. We need to see the greater reality. And then we need to see the glorious deliverer. Because here's the thing, when we begin to, to get a greater, see the greater reality, we understand that, that there is coming a day of judgment. The book of Hebrews says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then, what? Judgment. So we live this life, and then we die, and then comes judgment. And what Scripture tells us is that if we stand before God in our own merit, in our own, with our own works before us, then God will sentence us to eternity. In a devil's hell. You see, that's what's coming. After this life comes judgment for all of those who depend upon their own merit. But, see, we need to see the great Savior. Because God has provided the way that we can get past judgment, not standing upon our own merit, but standing upon His merit. Christ Jesus came. He lived the sinless life that we could never live. He died in our place, providing us His righteousness if we only trust in Him and believe in Him. We need to see the greater reality, and we need to see the great Savior, Jesus Christ, the great Deliverer, the glorious Deliverer, Jesus Christ. Do you see Him today? Do you see Christ? And if you understand that, if you understand that judgment's coming, a day that you will stand before God and give an account for your life, if you know that's coming, but you see the glorious Savior that God has provided in Jesus Christ, then how great the value of Jesus. Do you see Him as valuable? If you are a man or a woman stranded out on an ocean with no hope whatsoever, you're going to drown and someone throws you a life preserver. Isn't that life preserver going to be like gold to you? You're going to grab onto it. You're going to hold onto it. You're going to cling onto it with everything that you've got. It's going to be the most valuable thing you have. Jesus is that life preserver. 
You were drowning in a sea of sin and death, and God threw you the life preserver, Jesus Christ. Are you clinging to Him? Are you holding on to Him for dear life? Is He most precious for you? We need to lift our eyes up out of this world and this little speck on our our timeline, and we need to look to Jesus. We need to catch a vision of the glory of Christ. And once we catch a vision of the glory of Christ, then we can say with Paul, to die is gain. To die is gain. Because to die is to be with Jesus. That's what he goes on to say there. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. When you see the glory of Christ, when you value Him, then death's no big thing. Death is, in fact, gain. Warren Wiersbe Gives this little example. Fill in the blank here. Fill in the blank. To live is blank. To die is blank. To live is money. To die is to leave it all behind. To live is fame. To die is to be forgotten. To live is power. To die is to lose it all. But to live is Christ. To die is gain. Praise God that we don't face death in fear, but we see death as gain because we get to see Jesus face to face with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? To live is Christ. To die is gain. Oh, can you say that this morning, dear friend? You can't say that. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Him. Surrender your life over to Him. And you'll know the treasure that is in Him. So as you catch a vision for the glory of Christ, you find your greatest joy then in glorifying Christ with your life. If you see Him as most glorious, then you're going to want to glorify Him with your life. And there's two ways that Paul shows us here that we can glorify Christ with our lives. First of all, he points out that we can glorify Christ by a faithful testimony. We can glorify Christ by a faithful testimony. We get this in that first half there, the first part. Paul's talking about himself there. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, Paul here is not concerned. He is in prison, and it's not determined yet of what his his end might be here in this prison stay. 
It could be that he is released and, and let, let go to, to continue on in his ministry. And that end, ends up what, happening, what ends up happening to Paul in this instance. Later, he'll be arrested again, and history tells us that he was decapitated for the cause of Christ. But in this instant, he, he's going to end up being freed from prison, and he's going to continue on his missionary journeys. But at this point, Paul doesn't know that. He doesn't know if it's, he's going to be delivered and, and set free, or if he's going to be delivered and sent to Christ. But his prayer here is not that he would be set free. His prayer is that he would honor Christ, that he would glorify Christ in his body. Whether that meant that he was set free to go out and continue the work of the ministry, or if it meant that he would be a martyr and give his life for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That didn't matter. Life and death did not matter. His concern, his greatest concern, was to glorify Christ with a faithful testimony. You see, if we were going to glorify Christ by a faithful testimony, then Christ's glory is the priority. Christ's glory is the priority. Christ's glory was the priority for Paul. He didn't care about his life. Take his life. Take his head. It didn't matter. He knew he was going to be with Christ. The moment that axe came down and cut off his, his head, he would be with Christ. His concern is that he would not falter in his testimony, but that with full courage right up to the end, he would proclaim Christ as Lord and Savior of all. Period. glory of Christ was his priority. Is the glory of Christ your priority? Is the glory of Christ your priority? Or is your own glory, your own fame, your own bank account your priority? What is your priority? If you want to glorify Christ with your life, then your priority must be the glory of Christ. He is above everything. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. You have to, Christ's glory must be the priority. And second here, Christ is glorified by being magnified in us. Christ is glorified by being magnified in us. As we set Christ's glory as our, as our priority, then we see that He is glorified by being magnified in us. Now think about magnification here. What does that mean that he is magnified in us? The, the greatest example of this is a telescope. <clears throat> Excuse me, a telescope. Because a telescope does this. Telescope, you look up at the scar stars, right? Are the stars less glorious than the telescope? No. No, not at all. The stars are far more glorious than that little old telescope back here on the land. But the telescope, when you look into the telescope, it magnifies things. It takes that glorious thing that's way up there out of reach. It takes it and it brings it closer so that you can see it more clearly and enjoy the glory of that distant star more closely. And you see, that's what we do in our lives 
when Christ's glory is the priority, then we, we need to make sure that our lives magnify Christ to the world. We make sure that He is magnified to the world. We bring Christ a little closer to the people of this world by the way we act, the way we live. By not worrying about death. Not worrying about sickness and illness but looking at all of those things as an opportunity to glorify Christ, show people Christ more clearly. We had a good friend, Cheryl Sandifer. She is a good friend. Cheryl, 47, when she got the diagnosis that she had a, a brain tumor. It was something that she thought, she simply thought she had an inner ear infection. She just had dizzy spells. And, and then she ended up going to the doctor. And the doctor, they did all of these tests. And then they came in and the doctor told her, Miss, Miss Sandifer, you have a massive brain tumor. And I, I'm sorry, but I, I just, I don't even know if it's operable. Well, of course, Cheryl's family had a little fall apart right there. And the doctor himself was, was very sad. But Cheryl was just looked up and smiled. And the doctor thought, well, well she's not grasping this. She's not getting a hold of, of what I just said. So he said, now, Miss, Miss Cheryl, are you, do you understand what I'm telling you? You have a brain tumor. And, and I, I think at this point, I think that it's inoperable. She looked at him and said, no, doctor, you don't understand. You see, I'm a Christian. And for Christians, this is a win-win. It's a win-win. If I die, I go to be with Christ. If I live, I get to live for his glory. She said, now come here and let me pray for you, son. <laughs> and she prayed for that man. And she prayed for her family. She didn't pray for herself. She prayed for her family. She prayed for the doctor. And when the doctor got up from there, she said, you know, he said, you know, Miss Cheryl, for years I've been struggling with if God is real or not. But I think tonight you've convinced me. She glorified God. She glorified Christ by magnifying Him to the world. And she went on for the few years that she had left. She went on and doctor after doctor, nurse after nurse, patient, co-patient uh, after fellow patient. She poured into them the love of Christ and she pointed them to Christ. Christ was glorified in her life. And when she finally was taken home to be with the Lord, she glorified Him in, his, in her death. Are you magnifying the glory of Christ in your life. We glorify Christ by faithful testimony day in and day out. And second, we glorify Christ by, a fruitful, by fruitful labor. We glorify Christ by fruitful labor. This is the, the last part of the text. Starting in verse 23b. 
And Paul says there, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to, be, to, to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you might have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. You see, Paul here, he understands that to live is Christ. To live is to be fruitful in Christ. And as Paul begins to think about this, works this out. What he is saying here is that, that as he, he says there, to depart is far better, but to remain is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain. You see, Paul sets aside his own desires. He wants to die and be with Christ. <laughs> he says the greater thing here is that I be with you, I pour into you. You see, he understood that care for, he understood that if he was going to have fruitful labors in Christ, if, if Christ was going to be glorified through his life and care for the welfare of others became a priority for him. It was his priority at that point. He, he set aside his own desires. I don't care about my desires, I want to be with Christ. But the better thing is to pour into you, to care for you. To love you. And that is done then by cultivating the spiritual gifts in others. By cultivating the spiritual gifts in others. That is, that, that is, he put his own spiritual gifts to work within the body of believers, the church. He put their welfare ahead of his own desires and he began to pour into them. He wants to come back to them so he can bring them the word of God. He is a preacher and a missionary, so he wants to come back to the Philippians. He wants to pour into them the word of God to help them mold and understand their own spiritual gifts and build them up in the faith so that they can go out and work for the glory of God. He wants to live so he can go out on the mission field and, and preach the Word of God and, and people come to faith in Christ because of, of what he does. You see, to glorify Christ, that means that, that we get involved in fruitful labor. That means we put other people's welfare ahead of our own and we begin to pour into one another, to cultivate one another, to build one another up in the faith. But as we all grow closer to Christ, we glorify Christ all the more. This is where we, as a church, we say that our, our mission here and our vision is to, to what? Love God, love one another, and love our world. Well, this is the love one another part. This is the love one another part. This is the gospel-centered community taking, taking place where we consider our others more significant than ourselves and we begin to pour into others the spiritual gift that God has given us, whatever that may be, whether it be preaching and teaching, whether it be prayer, whether it be mercy, whatever it may be, are you putting your spiritual gift at work in the body of Christ? 
the greatest place that this begins to take place is in our life groups. It's in our life groups. That's where we begin to do life together. That's where the church is the church. That's where we break it down into to 12 and 15 people and we come together and we begin to pour into one another individually and we begin to pray for one another. We begin to build one another up. We encourage one another. We, we see gifts in other people's lives and we, we tell them, uh, I see this, and, and we help them to begin to work there and put those gifts into action. Church is not meant to just come and sit and soak. Church is the body of Christ. We live together. We work together. We play together. We do life together. Building one another up so that the world sees Christ in us. Are you glorifying Christ through fruitful labor? Are you involved in a life group? Are you doing life with other believers, helping them, encouraging them, being encouraged by them? Are you involved? And you're not glorifying Christ to your full potential. Let Christ be glorified in your life. Glorify Christ through fruitful labor. Live and die for the glory of Christ. I love this quote by Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a martyr who gave his life on a sandy beach on the Amazon River to a tribe that he was seeking to reach with the gospel. And before he ever made it out there, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He understood to live is Christ, to die is gain. He understood that. Do you? Is that real to you? Can you say that with Paul or is that just strange to you? If it's strange, then look to Christ. See the glory of Christ. Catch a greater vision for the glory of Christ. If you can say that, then take your life and glorify Christ by your faithful, work, uh, faithful testimony. Glorify Christ through faithful labors. Let your life be about Him. Let Him be the priority. Glorify Him, and He will be gain. Christ is life. Therefore, live and die for His glory, and you will discover true, lasting joy today, my friend. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day that You have given us. We thank You for the glory of Christ that in our sins we can't imagine. But through His sacrifice, we have eyes to see. We'll only turn to Him and see. 
Oh, Father, if there's those here today who don't see the glory of Christ, open their eyes. Please, oh God, open their eyes. Let them see. But for us who believe, Lord, lift our, lift our heads up. Give us a fresh vision of the glory of Christ so that we might honor Him and glorify Him whether in life or in death. Lord Jesus, may Your glory be our greatest priority. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You're here today and you don't know the glory of Christ. That that, that phrase there, to live as Christ, to die as gain, that's just strange to you. But you want it to be real. You want to see it. I invite you to come. Come. Turn to Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you want to come and learn more about the church. Then I invite you to come during this time.